Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over a hundred different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Notice how much better you will feel by having a consistent practice to support you staying centered. I am so excited to have with us on the Center in the City podcast this week, Lisa Lewis Miller, who is the founder and creator of Career Clarity, as well as the author of Career Clarity, Find Your Work That Fits Your Values and Your Lifestyle. Lisa has been featured in the Washington Post, Business Insider, U.S. News, Fast Company, Refinery29, all around helping people create the careers they have been dreaming of. If you are one of the thousands of people out there that are looking for their next career move and step, then this episode is for you. Lisa drops so much wisdom and knowledge and insight. I welcome you to take a deep breath with me and settle in as you listen to this episode. Lisa, welcome to the Center in the City podcast. Thank you for having me, Wade. It feels like such an honor and a privilege to get to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And I like to begin with this prompt of what does being centered mean to you? When I think about being centered, the images that come to mind for me are all around water. Mm. I get this image of not being centered, which is kind of like you are clinging to a buoy in the middle of the ocean and it's choppy seas and you're just sort of getting like thrown around and you're not really sure where shore is. You don't know what direction to swim in. You're tired. You're feeling a little stressed. You're overstimulated. And centered to me feels like the sensation of the anchor hitting the bottom of the ocean floor Mm. of being the word that's coming to mind is almost heaviness, but it's not quite heaviness. It's like a solidness Mm. of feeling clear, feeling connected, knowing where you are in space and feeling like the waves or the tides are not going to throw you around and send you for a loop. It's like a sense of being rooted, it's a sense of presence, Mm -hmm. and it's a sense of taking up space intentionally. Mm, I love how visceral that description is. 
And yet, you know, you said water. And so when you first said water, kind of this like flowy feeling, you know, went through my body, but then you talk about this anchor that grounds you in the water. And that's just like sense of, oh yeah, I can be in the flowiness, but still be so rooted, still be so um, present amid the, the waves that are splashing around me. Oof, love it. Lisa, I have your beautiful book in front of us, Career Clarity. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what inspired you to launch Career Clarity, your your business, and then obviously you got to birth this beautiful book here. Well, six years ago, I was finding myself in the midst of a career decision conundrum. And I felt like I was watching so many of my peers go through this same sensation of, I know what I don't want, right? I I know what I'm not enjoying in my current work or my current trajectory. There's something about the culture or the management or the role or the lifestyle that doesn't feel right for me, but I don't know how to know what to run towards I know what I'm running away from, but I don't know how to calibrate my inner GPS to move in a direction that's going to feel authentic to who I am. It's going to feel in alignment with my values. That's going to feel risk, not just like same crap, different day or same crap, different desk. And so back then I threw myself into research and the data and the studies and trying to learn expertise on what helps us to make decisions in our careers that we feel peace in, Mm. or we feel calm and confident and centered to, to your beautiful point. And it was the desire to help equip individuals with the right tools to make decisions that you feel proud of that led me to launch Career Clarity, that company back in 2015, and then to put out Career Clarity, the book in 2020. Mm. So really it's birthed from your own journey, your own desire to kind of figure out what's next. It's like, you sound like you had the career, the clarity of what you don't want, but it was like, where do I go? What are the tools and the skills I lean on inside and outside of me that can help me build clarity about what I do want? And so birthing that from your own story is so powerful. Well, and Wade, I'll say too that, and I I wonder if this will resonate with anybody listening, that if the issue had just been me, right? If the issue had just been like, well, I can't figure out what I want to go do next. I can't figure out how to make a career decision. I probably would have just carried on, mm. just read some more articles on the muse or on Forbes. You know, maybe I would have tried to look at like ways to improve my own situation in small, but meaningful steps. But I was seeing this in everybody around me. Mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there's a lot of research done around the ways in which motivation for men and women can sometimes differ. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they talk about for women is that seeing other people and championing other people is often a greater motivator than championing yourself. Mm -hmm. So it was watching my sister who had just started her career at this point and had been teaching English abroad and was realizing that that was not what she wanted to do for the next era of her career. It was watching my 
my that at the time partner who was doing a career that didn't feel like it was using his strengths and gifts and didn't really feel like it was engaging him, but he knew was very lucrative and was trying to figure out how do I make decisions around being in a career path that doesn't really light me up, but that has potential to help me make big money. And it was trying to be a better friend to them Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways and have better advice and better resources and studies to point to that really led me down the research path of trying to figure this enigma, this sort of elusive question out, or at least come up with a strategy if there was not one singular answer. Mm. Yes. You saw this white space and we're like, how do I help my community? I'm seeing this around me and within me. I want to collect all of this data and, and give it to people, support people. I love it. And one of the things I love that you share in your book is how you really inspire people to be introspective in the career clarity process. You really inspire people to listen deeply to themselves so that they're taking intentional action in figuring out what's next. And you talk about the importance of understanding people's values in the job searching process. Can you talk, can you share with us a little bit more about what that is and why that's even kind of an important centering tool for the uh, career clarity process? Absolutely. Well, let me share with you why that's important by giving an example of what it looks like when that's not your centering device. So often when I speak to people who are in the midst of a, a career conundrum, shall we say, and they are trying to figure out what do I want to do next? How do I want to grow? They often are not asking questions of who do I want to be? What are my values in this season of life? They're usually asking questions starting from a place of, of stress of, well, how do I fix the situation as quickly as possible? What's the silver bullet? What do I need to do next? What's the next job title I should be looking for? And while those are ultimately going to be the important right questions to ask eventually, when they're not coming from a place of being rooted in, well, what do you value? What's changed since you took this job that is making you want to find something new? Who are you in this season of life? How has your world or your community around you changed? If you don't start with those questions, the answers to the question of, well, what's the job title I should look at next? can be very one-dimensional and hollow. Mm. So if you're wanting to feel centered and grounded in yourself, instead of feel very reactive to whatever current circumstances you're in, taking the time to move a little bit more slowly through the process, but start with the big questions of who do I want to be and what do I want my life to look like? And then how do I plug in work to that equation to enable that to happen? Starting with those questions produces a really different level of thought and often very different outcomes about what kind of roles ought you to be looking at in this season to create the kind of life you want to have. Okay. I just want to pause you there because you just said some gold that I want to highlight we so often jump right into the how, like, how do I switch jobs? How do I take action? How da, 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 da. And as you said, that kind of creates the stress and lack of clarity about then really what's meaningful and important to us. 
And so starting with the who, like, who do I want to be? Even just asking ourselves, like, who do I want to be in this next season of my life? What's important to me um, is so powerful and such a perspective switch. And when we can ask ourselves, who do we want to be? Even just repeating that, like, I feel the weight centered, you know, coming back to what centered means to you, that sense of anchored, like anchored feeling back into myself. Like, oh yeah, who do I want to be in this next chapter? Versus like, how do I get to where I want to go? How makes me feel so overwhelmed already and outside of myself. And I am somebody who loves to always jump right to the how. Um, And so it's just a great reminder, right? Of always coming back to like, who, who do you want to anchor back into? And I feel like, and I wonder if this will resonate with anybody listening, that there are different seasons in life that sometimes we choose and that sometimes are thrust upon us that ask us to reprioritize and reevaluate our values. Mm -hmm. You know, if I think back to the anchoring values that I used for decision-making in my twenties, it was impact and achievement. You know, how do I rise up the corporate ladder? How do I build and grow a business? How do I do X, Y, Z things? And the, the values that are anchoring me in my thirties have been meaningfully different so far. Mm -hmm. It's been, how do I create a sense of connection and community and grow where I'm planted? And then how do I create the kind of balance such that I am feeling challenged and stimulated in my work And that I am bringing as little of that home with me in terms of anxiety or homework as possible. So I can be really present to my partner and my family Mm -hmm. in this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just for anybody who's listening, who's like, what are you guys talking about? What are values? Just to clarify what values are values. And I'd love to hear your definition too, Lisa, if it's different, but values are what's meaningful to us. It, they get to be North stars for how we want to take action. And the values are really rooted in, um, you know, what matters most to self. Um, what would you add anything, Lisa, when you talk about values? So when I think about determining your values, I think there are two different types. There are kind of the revealed values, which are like the revealed motivations and reasons that you have done what you've done. And these are all based on your track record and are things that you could pull out of why you made a decision the way that you did. And then there are sort of the forward-looking values, the aspirational values, the inspirational ones, the ones that call you into Uh, the best version of yourself or a higher sense of self. And these I think about as being really motivational values. Mm. And sometimes it can feel like the, the things that motivate you to move towards your best and highest self are not always the same reasons or motivations that you used in the past in your decision-making. And that's okay. But noticing when you are facing a a sort of existential fork in the road and you want to show up differently and you want to feel differently, and thus you have to make your decisions differently, 
having a realization of that magnitude in your life is a great moment to reevaluate your values and what's going to motivate you and what's going to justify the way that you make decisions in your life moving forward. Mm. I love that. So the inspirational, motivational values, and then just the values that you are kind of making decisions by in the day-to-day. And I even talk about with my clients, like connecting to their core values, which are these, what I kind of consider these like three to five values that are in your core that don't change, knowing that the other values in your life can change with the seasons of life. As you were saying, like what was important to you in your twenties was not, is not important to you in your thirties. Um, so there's so many different lenses that we can look at with our values that can help us be this really powerful centering insight tool and in navigating career change. You know, one of the things I read recently, I think Microsoft did a study that said like 41% of people in 2021 are going to be jumping ship of their current job and making a career shift. And that's kind of a crazy stat to like, when I read that, I was like, whoa, 41%, like almost half of people are going to be wanting to make a career change. And, you know, one like during a pandemic, you know, on one hand, I get it because I think a lot of people in the last year and a half has spent some more introspective time reflecting on their values and lifestyle and is their company culture taking care of them and, and, you know, how are they feeling supported? And, and so I think that's really powerful. And I want to celebrate everybody who's been doing that. Yay. You, um, if you haven't, like you still have an opportunity to, but what would you recommend to people who are in this space of wanting to transition? What are, what would be some, kind of next steps or maybe even like first moves to make in the uh, career clarity uh, transition? Well, I'm a big proponent of finding actions that you can take that feel so small, they almost feel like they wouldn't make a difference, Mm. but that are also so small and simple that they're almost inevitable, that it would be so easy to do. You almost can't help at doing it. I think about these as the the baby steps of navigating a transition or a pivot. So if you're listening to this and you are considering being part of that 41% that you, the pandemic was really clarifying for you and what matters and what you want and what you will tolerate, what you're willing to give to an employer, what you're not willing to give to an employer, and you're ready to start searching, the first way to kind of dip your toes in the water and take a baby step forward is to share that intention or that desire with one person. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a supportive friend, maybe it's a a colleague that you have been in this through the last year together and that person feels like a really trusted confidant. Because again, it's so teeny of a baby step. It feels almost inevitable. But once you've shared it with one person, it feels almost inevitable to share it with another person. And then once you've shared it with a couple people, it almost feels inevitable to ask for help to say, you know, I think I'm ready to move. This is what I think I'm looking for, but I'm not sure. Do you know anybody who does this work or who knows about this industry Or do you have any resources you'd recommend to get more familiar with this company and their practices? 
And it creates this little momentum snowball of the teeniest little actions that indicate to yourself into the universe, hey, I'm ready, start sending things my way. We'll so often really naturally build on one another and start to open doors for you the more that you share, the more that you reach out and ask for help, the more you're willing to lean into vulnerability and visibility in a season of transition. Mm. I love that you emphasize small, 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 small step because sometimes our minds can go so big, like, oh my God, I have to redo my whole resume right now, you know? And then that becomes so overwhelming that it can shut down our nervous system. And then we maybe avoid it. And then the avoidance of it creates more anxiety. And then we just kind of get stuck in this pattern. So what you said, so small that we hardly know we're even taking a step, but yet that first step to say it out loud to a friend or some, a trusted person and how that just creates a snowball effect. And I think the snowball effect is really important to emphasize because how important it is to just declare something or set an intention because it opens up our eyes and our ears or our community's eyes and ears to then think about, keep us in mind. You know, as you just said, maybe you then get connected to somebody in a different company and you have a, an amazing conversation and then that snowballs into something else or then an interview or, or whatnot. So we never know what happens um, until we say it out loud. And sometimes that can be scary, but I, I think so approachable, so doable. Well, and Wade, let me say on that point too, that however you feel about the concept of, of manifesting and creating opportunities, creating possibility in your life, you'd have to agree that if somebody asks you like, Hey, how's work going? And you tell them like, eh, it's fine. Versus if someone asks you, Hey, how's work going? And you say, you know, I'm ready to make a move that what you're expressing through those two statements will result in two very different conversations and two very different outcomes mm. for you. And that the clarity of knowing what you want and the vulnerability and the willingness to express it is critical to creating opportunities. And so many of us are not loving what we're doing, but we tell ourselves like, ah, just suck it up. Like you can make it through. It's not that bad. You're lucky to have a job in unstable economic times. Mm -hmm. We have so many rationalizations and intellectualizations that we use as coping mechanisms to tell ourselves of like how I feel in my job isn't valid or isn't important or isn't worth taking action on. Mm -hmm. And when you can, with clarity, speak to your truth, which is, you know, I'm feeling really unmotivated and unhappy here and I'm starting to think about what might be next. That sense of clarity in your experience and in your desire makes all the difference in the world in starting to create opportunities to take action on that desire. Yes. And what you're emphasizing in the mindfulness world, what we call is practicing relational mindfulness. It's like you're practicing 
mindfully hearing your own self of oh, what's my truth in this moment is, is work a, eh, or do I want to say, nah, I'm ready to make a move, like to mindfully hear that and mindfully express that. And then the friend that's listening, cause they could say, oh, wow, interesting or okay. Or sorry to hear that, you know, but then if they practice curiosity, right. To ask each other open, curious questions, how that gets to support each other, then navigating what's next, you know, and just how insightful that dynamic can be. So whether you're the person sharing or you're the person listening for somebody else, you can, you have a responsibility in there to, to practice um, um, relational mindfulness. Yeah. And I love the word responsibility in there because I think that it can be really difficult to be accountable to or responsible to ourselves for that honesty and that mindfulness of like, oh, I usually kind of skirt this question. I usually sort of brush it off and I don't give it, you know, my honest, authentic answer. But today I'm going to give it the honest, authentic answer. That willingness to be responsible for what you truly feel is so courageous Mm -hmm. and it is so difficult Mm -hmm. and it is so fruitful that if you're willing to look in the mirror and say, I love um, Gay and Katie Hendricks. I think they do amazing work and they have this idea of a micro truth, Mm. like to to say the truth of the truth of the truth. Mm. That is such a fruitful place to live your life from in order to feel the way you want to feel and create the opportunities you want to have. I love that micro truth. Yeah. And are we just listening to that micro truth? You know, Um, I love that. I want to ask you because you talk about in your book, and I think a lot of my listeners can relate to this, are typically people pleasing perfectionists. And you talk about how a lot of people pleasing perfectionists tend to not find jobs that feed and fuel their soul. Can you talk to us a little bit more about like, what happens in that cycle and maybe things people can pay attention to as they're on the job search? Well, I feel especially lucky to answer this question with somebody who is a mindfulness expert because perfectionism and people pleasing are adaptive behaviors that we've picked up at different points in our lives that served us at some moment, whether that was receiving love, whether it was avoiding rejection whether it was, you know, like survival level needs, those behaviors served a purpose at some point. But when we get into our, you know, what we hope to be our most evolved sense of adulthood and maturity and agency, perfectionism or people-pleasing are often habits, habitual behaviors that we hang on to and we almost automatically dive into that are probably no longer serving us. We are not in the same kind of environment or context that made those adaptations show up in our lives in the first place. But we can still get triggered by situations and jump back into those habit loops. You know, maybe you're in a situation where your supervisor says, hey, wait, I'm going to need this report by end of day today. And you, in your adult, mature, evolved self, know 
like, there's no way that's getting done today. I have six other things on my plate and that's just not an appropriate deadline and not something that I can say yes to. But the people-pleasing habit might be, oh gosh, if someone in authority asks me to do something, I have to say yes or else. Mm -hmm. And so the real trick for anybody who has a a hint of perfectionism or a hint of people-pleasing in your background is to do the kind of work, Wade, that you are so brilliant at teaching people how to do on inserting mindfulness and inserting pauses into things that often are kind of automatic, habitual, you know, unconscious behavior loops. So if you notice, wow, I keep signing myself up for things that I don't really want to do, or man, I am just overtaxed. And I remember saying yes. And I don't know why I said yes. You are bringing such great awareness and such great mindfulness to that something is not working and is not adaptive in your current behavior and decision-making and really enables you to then start to bring a little bit more presence and a little bit more attention to what was the circumstance that got me into that? What was the, the trigger? What was the ask in my world that I felt like I couldn't say no to, or that I felt like I had to respond to in a certain way? And once you add that layer of mindfulness, you can go a level deeper in the mindfulness to notice, hmm, what was I afraid of if I didn't do the habit and didn't say yes, or didn't choose the behavior that I chose. Mm. And mindfulness is just the key to peeling back the layers of what happened, what was asked of me, how did I respond? Why did I respond that way? How do I wish I would have responded instead? And how can I do some of the risk management around some of the things I was afraid of if I had responded in the way that I truly wanted to in that situation? Mm. So go ahead. No, I, I, I love that. And how, you know, some people, I think when they put themselves out there for a job interview or they get an offer, just because they got an offer, they sometimes feel like they have to then accept it. But taking that time, as you said, to kind of peel back the layers, to kind of understand even what's going on there so that they're making sure that they're taking a job or making a career step that actually feels nourishing and feeds their soul versus it just turning into this like, oh, I have to because, you know, I wasted their time then or, um, you know, whatever the internal conversations or I want to make them happy or whatever the patterning of, of a certain person's behavior is. Well, and to your point, Wade, they're peeling back the layers to figure out like, oh, why do I feel this compulsion that I absolutely have to take this job offer? It's, it can be a complex process, right? Maybe it's that, oh my gosh, I feel like I have to take this job offer because I don't have any other options and I feel miserable in my current job. And in that case, it might still make sense to do the automatic habit behavior of saying yes. But if you've got the new mindfulness layer to notice like, okay, If I had all the time in the world and if there weren't any pressures, you know, money pressures, time pressures, et cetera, I might've chosen something different. That awareness and mindfulness can come into both how you show up in the new job and the boundaries that you set and what you say yes or no to, and in setting yourself up for success in creating options for yourself in the future so that you don't feel stuck. You don't feel frozen in your decision-making moving forward. 
Mm, I love that. Such wisdom there and a process for people to think about and just even like notice, you know, why we're doing certain things, right? Where it's coming from is, is a huge insight that we can all just take away. Lisa, I feel like I could keep talking to you about career clarity and go deeper and deeper to your beautiful, amazing book for those that aren't watching, of course, but I'm holding up her beautiful career clarity book. It's, it feels even so soft. Lisa, where can people learn more about you and get their hands on your book? Well, to add these layers of values, orientation, and mindfulness to your career discernment journey, you can check out more about me and the Career Clarity Company and the work that we do at getcareerclarity.com. And you can pick up the book, Career Clarity, anywhere online that books are sold. Yay. Well, thank you, Lisa, for being a guest and sharing your wisdom and your light with us. Thank you for having me, Wade. You're doing amazing work in the world, and I feel really honored to be a part of it. Thanks so much for listening to the Center in the City podcast. Join Lisa and I and the Career Clarity community on Instagram to continue the conversation. Share with us your takeaways. Are you making a move in the next few weeks, next few months? Are you thinking about it? Have you taken the time to explore your values and what matters most to you? join the conversation. We love to support each other here. And if you find this episode helpful, share it with your community. And until next time, stay centered.